Welcome to the One Signal Podcast, where we aim to educate listeners on how to build a world-class customer engagement practice. This is your host, Josh Wetzel. We've got a great guest today for you, Martin Schulin. Martin is a Chief Product Officer and Head of Innovations at Mobile App Builder, JMango360. They're focused on enabling great brands and retail to develop robust mobile applications and build omnichannel experiences for their customers. Martin is here to discuss mobile app creation and customer uh, retention with the One Signal Podcast audience. He's been working in the digital commerce and specifically focused on mobile commerce for 15 years, which is before most people realized there was mobile, although we all had mobile phones in the early days, but you really could only basically text message with them. And there's those WAP applications. So uh, we won't get into that detail today, but I'm excited to have uh, Martin join the, the podcast. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for the great introduction. Uh, very happy to be here. And as, is, as a side note, uh, we were too early focusing on M-commerce. We saw a very small trend uh, of e-commerce moving towards M-commerce, but it, as a consequence, we had to profitize for a very long time. And, and that made our lives sometimes rather difficult. And that's what happens when you start too early or maybe you're too much of a visionary. Nowadays, people come to us and they, say, they tell us, we need to have a mobile app. Can you help us? A great change in uh, perspective. So in the beginning, was it JMango360 focused on WAP? How did you get started with that? Yeah, so a, a quick history course here. Our current CTO and also co-founder, he basically had a brilliant idea when working at Deloitte & Touche. And he pitched it to Deloitte & Touche in Australia, this is back in Australia. And they thought it was a good idea and decided to fund it. At some stage, this is during the Enron scandal and side letters and all these accountancy scandals, they decided maybe it's a conflict of interest and maybe we should not continue with this. So they wanted to get rid of it. Now, a friend of mine ran into them, being a Deloitte and Touche, and the topic was raised and we then decided to buy it out of Deloitte and Touche. But at the time, it was a method or a platform to deliver mobile applications across the various operating systems. So we're talking about Windows, Nokia's, Blackberries, and, and so on. And that, at the time, was, was difficult. But he had invented a way, which we've also patented. There are 76 patents around this method. But at the moment, that's no, not really very relevant anymore. Uh, obviously, at some stage, we decided to move on to, to smartphones. Yeah. And also a lot of things changed in roughly 2009, I would say. was Correct. iPhone came out before that, but the App Store opened and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is going to be different. And, yeah. and proliferation, how quickly true smartphones, you know, the ones where you like have applications and you've got a really clean interface and it's engaging, it was a pretty fast transition. It was. Not just in terms of the capability, but also in terms of the adoption of people buying them, using them. I would say by, I don't know, 11 or 12, it seemed like every yeah. single person we engaged with had a smartphone. And you started looking funny if you had the old BlackBerry devices by that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not actually, this is a little known fact of mine, but I worked at a really large company. I was at eBay at the time and they refused to provision iPhones that you had to be on BlackBerry. It's like 2008. Oh, really? And I'm an early adopter, so I'm, it was a small reason why I left the company, but it was not insignificant. Literally, I need to go to a startup where I can uh, get my own iPhone. And so I had the iPhone 3 was my first iPhone, and I, it was like a small part of why I left. Good reason. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, one of the things we talked a little bit about this before, but but I worked in the mobile space in mobile acquisition and monetization and mobile commerce specifically. But one of the things I realized early on was it's really hard to get people to download and then use your app. So even a big brand, relatively big brand, can get people to download the app, but then the people lose the app because it's somewhere in a folder, it's on page four of their phone, whatever it may be. And so the utilization is sometimes low. Now, I know the economics of that has changed because now everyone has a smartphone. Everyone's more comfortable with it. Obviously, the app experience is way better than a than a mobile website, per se, unless it's really well done and responses, whatever. But one of the things we talked about, and you have a calculator on your website, is, is what is the, the financial calculation when people should build a mobile app versus not? Yeah. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, so you indicate whether people will download uh, the mobile app. Uh, mobile app is not for everyone. It's not for every merchant. And so let's first look at uh, the characteristics why someone should have or consider a mobile app as a merchant uh, from a merchant's perspective, which is that if you ha- are active in the, with an e-commerce site, you want to make sure that you offer your users the best access possible. And obviously, you will probably see that a large percentage of your traffic originates from the mobile. I think at the moment, the average somewhere lies around 70%. But And in B2B, that's a little bit lower. In high fashion, it's a lot higher. The problem there is that whereas a mobile website and a desktop site are great tools in order for people to find you, call it discoverability, it's not the best in converting that traffic. So the, the traffic on mobile websites uh, does not convert as good as on desktop sites. In yeah. fact, it's about half. If that is the case, then all of a sudden, you as a merchant have got a problem because let's say six, seven years ago, you would have a desktop site and you would know by and large, okay, I will have around a 4% conversion rate of 100% of my traffic. And then all of a sudden, there was 10% traffic coming from the mobile and that 10% of traffic generated only half of the revenue because in general, the uh, conversion is about half of that percentage of the desktop side. And so uh, there is a need to have a mobile app, but not for everyone, as I mentioned in the beginning. When is it interesting? So it's interesting when you have a good amount of mobile traffic, which should be above 50%, but in most cases, that is the case. Then secondly, uh, do you have brand recognition? Do your loyal followers, your loyal customers, do they want to identify themselves with the brand and take the effort of downloading the mobile app? But most importantly, and this is the, the, the final point, and that is whether you are selling a product that is has a repetitive purchase pattern. Right. So you're not going to buy an Audi on a mobile app. But if you use vitamins, which you restock every four or six weeks, then obviously it makes sense to have a tool on your mobile phone that allows you to quickly reorder those vitamins rather than having to go onto the website, type in the type of medicines, the vitamins, and then get presented with a number of Google ads. And then you have to find the one, again, where you felt most comfortable. That is uh, a big part of our calculator. It looks at the amount of traffic. It looks at uh, the conversion that you have on your desktop, the conversion on the mobile. And based on those set of assumptions, where we still add some other calculations in, we calculate what the mobile app could do for you. And then you have the option to play around with two varying factors. 
which is how much conversion improvement will you see and how much adoption will you see of the mobile app. So those two factors you can play around with. Now, we usually start with 30% adoption rate and an improvement of around 200%. On average, we see 300% and in some cases, 700%. So seven times the conversion rate or in a mobile app versus that of the mobile website. Is it safe to say, and this is, I'm bringing some of my knowledge to the table here, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be outdated, but is it safe to say that majority of, you you have a smaller audience in your mobile app, but it will be your most valuable customers. And so you see great performance. Yeah, yeah, you see great performance because you're getting a, a tighter, deeper relationship with the people that already love and respect and want to consume your content, or in this case, buy your product, your t-shirts, your jewelry, whatever it may be. Is that fair? Absolutely fair. Your loyal customers will do that. And this is where the mobile app actually comes in very handy. And this is something that we hadn't realized uh, at the outset, but it is something that we find, have found over over the past couple of years. And that is that all of your loyal users When they download the mobile app, there is a great benefit in that these loyal users won't go on to Google anymore, find vitamins.com and click on that Google ads to buy your vitamins. No, they will open the app, vitamins.com, and uh, buy that product of you. And as a consequence, the gross margin of that order lies significantly higher than an order that was bought through the mobile web. Yeah, interesting. You just touched on an important topic. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I've I have this whole thing where I believe. Look, I love Google products and I use them, and I use some Facebook products, but not as much of a love. But my theory is that they've set up this economy where it's really they rent you users, and so every yeah. time you want to, you want them to come back, you're rebuying them. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so you, you hit on a very key topic, which is how do you actually build a consistent relationship with that? And we not to go far, too far back or down a rabbit hole, but we did a ton of research when I was at eBay in the mid-2000s, mid to late 2000s on this. And I was part of a company that was called Shopping.com. We were a product search engine. And in conjunction with eBay, we spent, I think, a million dollars doing a huge consumer survey, both quantitative and qualitative, looking at the brand and looking at how people find the service and shopping in general online. And one of the biggest ahas for me was that Everybody loved the product. And in the case of eBay, we had a lot of organic usage, but people still were getting trained to just go to a search engine. Yeah. And if you talk to Google, I don't know if this is still true, but back in the late 2000s, I remember talking to people at Google and they would actually publish their top search words. It was often people literally coming and searching for Yahoo or they search yeah. eBay. And so the mobile app is actually an interesting reminder because it's a placeholder. It's like it's their digital storefront. People go right in. So it makes total sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's another aspect to that, and uh, which is sometimes overlooked as well. And that is certainly the case when your business is finding that a lot of traffic or a lot of business comes uh, through social media or when you are selling a lot via marketplaces. Now, there's nothing wrong with those two channels. The only biggest problem there is that those customers are not your customers, and you can't reach them proactively. And this is where OneSignal obviously comes in, because one of the biggest benefits of having the mobile app is that you can reach them, 
you can send them personalized push notifications or whatever, general uh, generic uh, push notifications. But the open rate is high. It's somewhere between the 70 to 90% versus emails. That is much, much lower. And the fact that you can address that customer is a, a great benefit. And you don't have that. You can't send push notifications to your Amazon users and say, hey, uh, you should buy our products or to Facebook or whatever. So having ownership of that customer as part of your brand is essential and is the key to generate more value for your business. Yep. So you touched on one of my key next questions, which is you've advised a business, you've helped them build this, they've launched a, a mobile app. How do you advise that they, what are the best practices in terms of how do they retain and build loyalty with the users they're able to get? Yeah, I think uh, you have to separate that uh, in two components. The first one is that you want to make sure that the people downloading that mobile app can find you. Right? So let's start, first start with the acquisition process of downloads. Yep. And um, we find that probably 60 to 70% of that acquisition is done through having a banner on the mobile website, hey, we now have a mobile app. Click here and it guides you into either the Apple uh, store or the, the Google Play store. That is a big generation of downloads. There are other key aspects or, or tools as well to do that, which lie in the fact that you can obviously put it big on the website. We had one customer, a big international brand. It launched the app over a weekend and it completely blacked out the website. And all you could do was download the mobile app. Right? Big, bold move. We were quite nervous about this because it was on a technology which was not so scalable in terms of its e-commerce website. Yeah, we first said, okay, if you're going to do that, we have to test it out. But it led to an enormous adoption of that app. Promotion through the website, desktop site, is a great tool as well. Then making sure that there is recognition, both in terms of in-store as well as in email confirmation emails, putting some branding in the packaging, put in a, a small card, hey, we now have an app, QR code. So again, it is the acquisition of new downloads. That is key, and that will probably be the focus in the first six to nine months. Now, when you have that installed base, then you want to commercialize on it. And then there is a whole set of tools how to do that. Yep. And obviously, push notifications is a, a very key tool to get the, the message delivered and to attract attention. But what do you convey in that message? One of the things that we recommend customers to do is to create some level of exclusivity. So when you use the app, you get a discount. When you use the app, you have early access to Black Friday. When you use the app, you have access to different types of products that you cannot buy via the website. Yep. So exclusivity is key. And then also coupon codes, discount promotions, purely for the app users. And that's how you start getting them engaged into that mobile app. And finally, is you need to keep them engaged. And that is... Again, also uh, with a tool like OneSignal, it's great because you also have in-app messaging. You uh, have the option to give them more feedback during their whole buying process. And that is extremely valuable as well. 
one of the things uh, that is valuable is the abandoned cart push notification. It really helps in that conversion. Yeah, it's interesting. I, as I mentioned, I've been in the space, the abandoned cart email or retargeting has historically been critical from a digital kind of website perspective. Correct. And when I got into this space five years ago, I realized it was almost in a commerce setting, it's one of the most perfect use cases because you're there, you leave, and then to get a message, you can do it in a pretty rapid succession. It's a really great call to action in a way that it, like yeah. an ad you might see in a website or an email you get after the fact isn't. Yeah. And so we we find that's pretty successful as well. Yeah. So I was just kind of listening. There's some good stuff there. When you think about just in general, you're advising a client and they've got a brand. Say, for example, that the folks that did the blackout. Yeah. What do you think are the essential strategies now that they've acquired, they've got 100,000 or a million users? What are the essential things that they need to do to maintain it? They've done some exclusivity. They've got the engagement. But what's your recommendation on how they can build sustained loyalty and success with those users and new ones that come down the road? Yeah, yeah, they they have indeed around a, a million users, and uh, I think what they are doing really well, and what we also recommend to other uh, customers is once you've acquired the users, then you started to engage with them, and then I think the word that comes up is relevancy. Right, you have to stay relevant, and in order to do that, there are tools available that will help you segment your target audience in a better way so that the push notifications they get is not just a generic push notification of which they feel this has been sent to everyone. It needs to be relevant to them. So you can't be sending a push notification talking about bras to a bloke that is just it's ridiculous. You need to be relevant and it needs to be on point. And that is where Again, there are tools around that. I think OneSignal already has a large set of integrations as well into uh, systems that will allow you to do that segmentation. But there are other tools as well. And yeah, I think that is key. You need to stay relevant. Yep. So you've seen a lot of these implementations. What's the most impactful idea you can share with the group that you've seen deployed by a mobile commerce app? Is it that blackout? That's pretty fascinating. What comes to mind? Nothing right from the uh, at the top of my mind. We have delivered so many apps, and we have also done a lot of specific customizations for businesses that were essential to their specific type of business. I think if I look at a slightly more generic kind of tool of the mobile app, where it gets used a lot, is scanning. The ability to scan products and quickly add it to your shopping cart. Now, that is primarily a B2B kind of feature, right? Because this becomes really handy if you're walking around your store and you need to fill up uh, stock and and you can scan. Uh, So that's one that comes up to mind. We're obviously also quite doing a lot in jewelry where customization or configuration of jewelry becomes really important, including engraving of rings and jewelry. Yeah, the list is long. I wouldn't be able to just name one that I thought, okay, that was really impactful. That's good. 
So, so I got another pie in the sky question. It'll be my last question, but it, it's a little okay. bit different vein. So you've been doing this for a while. So you've seen the evolution yep. from WAP to mobile yep. and obviously the proliferation where mobile apps are everywhere. When you think about, you look in your crystal ball, or you're going to make a prediction. What does mobile commerce look like in 10 years? Uh, I think where we do see an impact is around search and AI. I think that will be a combination where the shopping behavior might be strongly impacted because it helps you to get quicker to the product that you are looking for. And that can be either types or voice, right? So with the onset of larger language models, the ability to talk to the device and as a consequence, find that particular product, add it to cart, that can be something that can take a flight uh, and can develop uh, strongly. And I think ultimately you want to do a combination of your voice, the camera, and the device itself. So I think also the scanning comes into place, but the ability to communicate easier with that device through language, natural language, will probably start playing a big role. Another one is, I think, again, AI comes in there, is personalization. Right, so when you're shopping, again, you want to be relevant. You want to provide your user with the stuff that you think he's looking for. And you need to be more accurate in that. At the moment, uh, a lot of it is still others bought this or uh, frequently bought together. But it's too generic. And you need to try and be able to pinpoint that for that particular user. And again, that's uh, where AI comes into mind. And yeah, I think the devices will change and whether it will always be something with a screen i don't know it could be different but yeah these are some of the things that come to mind okay that's great uh is that in line with what you were thinking as well or did you have some other ideas i'm not steeped in this i'm not living it day in day out but no it makes sense it I think we are in this interesting transition where it's we feel a little bit more blind than maybe we did nine or 10 years ago. Yeah. That said, I think we all see that, I think they call it uh, AGI, which is the basically general artificial intelligence where it's it's doing things for us. And so from a commerce standpoint, you hit on the head. I, I suspect you can we can start talking about, here's the pain I have or the thing I'm trying to Correct. solve for what are the three things I should be looking at and which one would you recommend given where I live and like all this stuff. And so it, it could change the discovery. And I think in certain categories, it probably doesn't change as much, maybe like in jewelry or in art. Those are things that maybe it helps you guide you towards things that would be more appealing to you, but you still have yeah. those results of maybe even fashion for that matter. But I think it is an interesting world for cars or anything mechanical electronic in nature, I could see it where it really is honing in on here's exactly what you should buy because when it maybe reduces the options out there and yeah. maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, I don't know. But yeah, I am curious to see, I think when you think about just an augmented reality too, being able to take those AR experiences, go into a mall Absolutely. store, then you're bringing the mobile commerce thing into the physical world. You can try things on, you can engage with it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm bullish on that as much as I'm excited. I'm not excited for that world, but I'm bullish on that. That I think is going to have a transformative ex experience for shopping in general. 
But yeah, it's an interesting time. Like we're going through a full transition right now. And I think 18 months ago, we might not have been even thinking about this as much. But now with the chat GPTs and all of the kind of generative AI stuff in, in out there. Yeah. And I think as a final note, I think as with many technology changes, you will have an adoption period, but the, it will primarily be the younger people driving that because they are happy and used to engaging with technology in a different way than you and I know I'm older than you, at least that's my guess, but technology for us is still, we haven't grown up with it as much as younger people have. And the reason I touch upon this is that when you walk around and you walk in the city and whatever, people talking to the phone all the time, and they don't feel embarrassed about talking and using Siri and those types of interaction mediums, whereas you and I might feel awkward doing that in a public uh, space. They don't have that. And that will fuel the adoption of voice-generated technologies as well. No, I I agree with that. I see it with like my 14-year-old son, so adept at doing things that I technically would have thought like I wouldn't even have touched. So they're using voice. So it, it, you're to your point, when the kids that are 10, 12, 13, 14 years old now, when they're in their mid-20s, their idea of going into a jewelry store or a fashion store and like using AR to enhance the experience yeah. is probably not that far-fetched. In fact, they're probably no. hoping for that tomorrow. They might be very happy to do that. Very happy, exactly. Whereas I would be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting world, especially for where you live, because I think there is going to be this massive intersection happening with AR yep. in particular, where the mobile experience or the digital experience will be mapped into this AR experience that really hits. And I think that's where the brands that have the wherewithal with the physical footprints will step up yep. and they, it will be a way to combat the the sheens of the world or the people that are this fast throw away, but you don't really get to engage with it. You don't really yep. know how it feels. Yeah. And I've always been a big believer. Everyone says, oh, malls are going away. And I'm I'm like, actually, they're becoming brand showcases. No, that's it. You you go to a brand, there's a mall right right around the corner from me here at Stanford. And it's basically now multiple electric car companies, every major fashion Italian brand. He's got a storefront there. Apple's got a storefront. Microsoft did for a while. They pulled it out. But it's food and brands. And so the next wave would be these like AR showcases where you come in and engage and so I could see it happening and, yeah. and I've seen some basic installations where people have tried some stuff and it's pretty fascinating. So I'm excited about it, but it is a big transition that we're going through that's oh, uh, yeah. not normal. I know we went way over time, so I really appreciate it. I know it's evening there for you. Thank you, Martin, for joining the podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. For all you listeners out there, please subscribe to the podcast, available at all the relevant directories. If you're looking for great customer engagement software used by more than 1 million businesses across the globe, try OneSignal for free today. And if you've got mobile commerce needs, feel free to reach out to JMango360. In the meantime, have a great day, great holidays. We finish up 2023. Take care.